Hello, and welcome to the Conclave Cast. We are a group of writers who connect debut fantasy authors with readers on the hunt for the next titan of the genre. Every few weeks, we will introduce a new world, a new tale, and a new author so you can learn the story behind the story and meet the creator behind the pen. I'm your host, Izzy Amelia, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's special guest, debut author, Tim Fasciola. Thank you so much for having me. Big fan of both of your guys' work, so very excited to be here. Thanks, and it was an absolute joy to um, get to read A Vengeful Realm. Um, I absolutely loved this book. It was so much fun to read. Um, I've got a blurb I'm going to share with our audience now. Peace bought by blood seldom lasts, for vengeance knows no end. The scales tip and the pendulum swings, but the realm remains divided and no one is free from the weight of war. Now, a queen protecting her kingdom from the gods' wrath, a prince defending his father from his stepson's mo- his stepmother's army of zealots, and a gladiator mage hellbent on liberating his people, must each contend for their own brand of freedom before all falls to ruin. It's just, wow. uh, this was just such an exciting book to read and the way that your characters just blend together um, each with their own goals and their own definition of what freedom means. It was, it was just a joy. Well, it, it's so great to hear one. And then two, it's also <laughs> a really cool hearing it in your accent. <laughs> uh, that, that's always nice. No, I just got chills as well. When you read out the blurb, Josh, it was just, Tim, you are able to capture the world so well and your characters have such like drive in them. And one of the most interesting and amazing aspects of a ventral realm is your setting, which is almost like this melting pot of two very distinct historical influences. Everything is grounded in a clear inspiration of ancient Rome and gladiators and all that type of stuff. But at the same time, there's a shift in toward a more traditional medieval setting with knights and lords what inspired you to create this world and blend these influences um well great question uh funny enough it started out as just kind of like hey i want to write things that i like um and i was like i like gladiators and i like mythology and i like knights of the round table kind of stuff and and I was like, none of these. And then at one point there were zombies in it too, but we're not going to go there today. Uh, um, but it was just like a combination of all these interests of mine. And uh, when I actually put pen to paper, I was like, oh, this can actually work. Um, it became kind of like a social experiment. Like what would happen? What would have happened if Roman traditions had just like spilled over into the medieval age and you know what would that cause what kind of um technological advances and cultural impacts would that lead to and you know what trouble would that brew and uh inevitably so uh yeah i wanted to kind of bring about this tension between you know progress versus the conservation of what was and uh a big motivation um in a vengeful realm was this you know what is beneficial to me as an individual versus what is beneficial to the society's progress moving forward um because those two things are very very different um 
And I wanted to explore that from different characters' point of views and, and see if that turned into something cool. And I like to think it did. <laughs> it definitely did. Um, I think, like, you speak about how it's there's these things that you enjoyed, gladiators and knights and everything, and it's so clear that it's something that you love, um, particularly just the way you sprinkle in the little details, like um, a lot of the Latin words you've used, ludus, um, stiletto daggers, the leptica, um, it really grounds us in this world. And um, that continues even through like the mention of um, historical figures and events just casually get thrown out and it just makes the world feel so real. And um, what, what I'd love to know is, is this something like that you kind of, did you build the world before you started writing or did it kind of develop naturally over time as you made the story? <laughs> uh a kind of a bit of both actually so it, it started out as like um i can write i don't need to you know do any planning or plotting and i was just like but wait what about this and then wait what about that and then wait so i just kept ending up recycling going back to the drawing board several several times and it would be right world build right world build more right world build more and each time um it became more and more fleshed out until like now I like literally feel like I could run a full D and D campaign in this world. And like, it should have, it should have kind of a, uh, it's own, it's own book. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, but no, it, it was definitely a, a blend of, uh, of planning and, and kind of figuring it out and, uh, very fortunate. I have a wonderful editor who uh, actually studied uh, ancient Rome in some significant detail. So she was really able to be like, well, you know, the social context of this and this is why the Romans did this. And so in your world, you don't have that same, you know, like, for example, uh, in Rome, the gladiatorial games were very much used to showcase the might of the Roman army and allowed the common people, um, the plebs and patricians um, to be able to celebrate what their, what their conquests looked like abroad in a theatrical performance. My world isn't really about conquests. So like building the social contexts of like, well, why is this a thing? Um, really led to this divide between like, well, what if it used to be the thing, but now it's not the thing anymore. So some people want to move on from it and want to move more to tourney nights and want to move more to um, a more quote unquote civilized way of, of life. Whereas others are, are firmly rooted in the traditions that brought them to this point. And I think that uh, parlays well to our world, this, that, that same notion of, now versus then and the past versus the future that's so awesome um i just love how rich it all feels because of clearly you're so passionate about this and have put so much thought into it and i commend all the effort because it really comes out on the page thank you thank you thank you in addition to all the gladiators i feel like there's a lot of game of thrones references in there as well and it's like if you put gladiators to game of thrones you would have a vengeful realm in some way and I was wondering if our our listeners and your readers would love Eventual Realm if they loved Game of Thrones. Is it is there a crossover? Is there something that you've pulled from before? Uh, 
on <laughs> absolutely um you 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 uh definitely button nose on the nose on the button um button on the nose nose on the button i'm an author i know how to use words nail uh, on the head nail like on that. the head there we go that's better <laughs> um no but um when i uh when i first read a game of thrones it really opened my i my mind up to um what a story could be originally when i had wrote my first draft um it was all first person um first person present and then after reading a game of thrones and seeing all the different perspectives and it's told in third person limited that really opened my mind to like i could explore so much more of what this world would look like if i saw it from different eyes um so yeah i think that uh game of thrones had a lot of influence on me and rather than set it in the traditional um you know european setting i wanted it to have more of a like a roman-esque feel um and and involve more mythology and and like a pantheon of gods who are heavily involved so i think if you took you know a gladiator the russell crowe movie and mixed it with game of thrones and you miss mixed it with some uh some myth different mythologies yeah i think you'd have a really weird looking baby that you'd probably call a vegetable <laughs> realm. that's so cool uh, just please i implore you actually finish it um yes. i can't wait 10 years for the next next book I, you bring up a valid point and I have made it like my after the not not to throw shade, but after the way the TV show finished and the lack of Winds of Winter coming out, I very much have stated and declared to myself, A, I will finish it and B, I will end it well. Ending it well is a is a is a must. Yeah. Make sure you stick the landing. And yeah. <laughs> it seems like you've got everything set up to do so well. Thank you. Uh, another thing I love about Eventual Realm is the exploration of how its characters respond so differently to an event, even if they have the same outlook. And for example, Den Danella and Leiden both believe that King Varys's decision to exile the mage was a mistake. But while Danella believes Varys needs to die, Leiden will do whatever it takes to protect him regardless. It feels so authentic to the human experience and gives your characters incredible depth. Was this something you intentionally weaved into the story? And what are you hoping the readers got out of this or will? Another very good question that I'm going to answer very similarly. It was like a happy accident again. Like uh, it was something that it started out as, well, let's see what happens. Like I'm writing and I'm like, oh, huh, I'm kind of doing this a little bit this thing and my editor was the one who actually pointed it out to me and said uh and to told me about this literary device called the foil um so if you don't know the foil isn't like an antagonist but it's kind of like the the moral opposite or the what could have been um and this concept became so fascinating to me that i wanted to explore it um intentionally and not just accidentally so um seeing this dichotomy between um Layden and Danella as it relates to Varos's actions um that inspired like so there's you know a, a, other couple characters throughout the story who are foils to each other um and I just wanted to see like 
if you like almost a nature versus nurture, if you have two twins and one grows up here and the other grows up there, like, do they end up totally different? Is there, is their environment really what changes them? Or is it really just like the, the genetic material in you that kind of determines? Um, and I don't think there's a concrete answer either way. I, and I, I, that was something I wanted to explore and just let my characters kind of figure it out along the way. Um, so with, with my editor's help, I kind of, um, I took the idea and, and dug deeper underneath it. Um, cause one of the, the, the bigger themes and like a personal interest of mine is like the concept of fate versus choice. And I wanted to see if I put two characters in, in situations where they could leave it up to fate or they could make choices and what, what they believed and how that, how that changed outcomes or didn't change outcomes. Like I found that really, really interesting. So this foil concept with, with the thematic tie-ins um, didn't start intentional, but certainly became kind of the, in my opinion, the essence of what the story is all about. That's really interesting. Um, I think I'm curious about like, what did it kind of look like before your editor came to you and pointed out the foil? Was it much different? The uh, dynamic between them? You ask, you're asking a very dangerous question. Um, my, the first, the first draft I sent to my editor was 278,000 words. And if you're keeping track, that's about 978 pages. I'm about, no, it was 978 pages. <laughs> um, so what ended up happening was I had more characters that actually ended up being combined. So Layden's character was actually two different people who um, needed to kind of come together and mesh. Um, and their ideologies were very much the same. Um, so that was why it, and like it, it kind of worked well. And, and from a plot standpoint, I was able to um, integrate them and, and, you know, with a lot of edits and a lot of red scissors coming out and chopping it up. Um, cause to get, to get from, to get to 125 from 278 takes a lot of scissoring. <laughs> um, so it, it definitely was a totally different story. And my editor did help me to bring a lot of it together. Um, once upon a time, um, it was the, the two characters that made up Layden. Um, while the plot was very similar, how they went about it was very, very different. Um, so I think uh, the short answer is very different before my editor came in and, and, and gave me these, uh, these ideas. Cause I think, my my brain likes to sprawl and um if if i if i were a <laughs> i would be a buckshot and she wanted me to be more of a more of a sniper so now it's i feel like the story is a much more um a sh a much sharper edge as opposed to a big blunt hammer <laughs> i think from what i can tell it's definitely worked out well because um you have so many great characters but Layden is definitely one of my favorites i'm happy to hear I think it's so interesting that you combined two characters to make Layden and like it makes me question are any of your characters actually based on 
people in your real life. Even just little tidbits that you get from them is something about because you seem to have such a great connection with your characters. So that's something I've always wondered when reading your book. Mm, so <laughs> interestingly enough, this is not my first attempt at writing. The first story I tried to write, all the characters were based off of people in my life. And I hated it so much. <laughs> so I, I made a conscious effort to say like, no, all these characters will be characters. They will not be influenced by anyone or anything. And they will not um, be related to anyone or anything. And then after I finished the book and went back and read, I was like, oh, this is this. And this is that person. And this is me. And this is how I interact with that person. So <laughs> even though it wasn't um, in that wasn't intentional, like I definitely feel like someone was guiding my pen, so to speak. Um, the the story almost like was a cathartic therapy session for me in terms of and very eye-opening um it, but it wasn't intentional I didn't I didn't go in and say like this character is this person and that's how I'll base it off um no they really just came to life on the page and by interacting with each other and um having things they felt passionate about and when passion goes up against passion uh you're probably gonna get some kind of catalyst <laughs> so yeah it was it, it was definitely a a lesson in chemistry and or they just the organic combination that's that sounds like such great ways to manifest your characters and <laughs> something else you mentioned before like fate versus choice the concept is clearly one of the major themes throughout eventual realm and i particularly love how it plays into your real world building your characters are always leaving things in the hands of the gods whether that is through two people swinging swords at each other or a snake and a mongoose fighting to the death and from that i want to ask what is your take on fate in this world and can we expect to see this theme explored more as the series goes on Ooh, good question um <laughs> yes you mentioned the omenations uh so this, this is very influenced by uh, Roman culture. They, they used these augers or an auguration to determine like, you know, will it be a good harvest or should we, should we do X or Y should, um, and I wanted to, you know, see if that could go even further. Like what if we, um, what if we chose our, our president um, at the flip of a coin kind of thing? Like, uh, we got two, let's just, flip it see what happens um and and in in a sense um what you what you believe really drives this so if you believe um in in this concept of fate and predetermination then that coin is going to land how it was supposed to land and you don't need to worry so whatever the outcome is that's that's what's happening and you know you don't fight it um so the the, the gladiator games are often used as what I call an omination. It's this augur, auguration to see what should happen. What, what is the God's will um, for, for X or Y? And with Danella, Danella is doing it to see if she's, if the gods want her to assassinate her husband, who she very much loves, but feels is jeopardizing 
the safety and well-being of her realm. So um, I, I, I kind of I wanted to um, play with with this of similar to progress versus um, tradition. Um, I wanted to kind of put the these two things on the spectrum and have characters that match up at different points along at different points along that spectrum um, and put them head to head with one another. Um, cause for some, for some characters, it's very much fate is fate. And for other characters, it's, uh, I have, I have a choice and I, for me personally, like, I almost believe that, you know, there, I, I think about it like a branching tree. There is very much a, a, a predetermined set of paths, but it's our choices that ultimately lead us to where that where that goes so if you think about the tree analogy you're starting at a root but how you get from the root to the leaf you know there's a lot of different branches and a lot of different pathways you can go and each of those branching paths is is a is a choice that we get to make um and some will some characters will just leave it up entirely like they want to be a a a leaf on the river and go where it and go wherever it takes them. And other characters uh, are fighting upstream, whether that be good, bad or indifferent. So um, I think fate and choice um, certainly coexist. And I wanted to see how my characters expanded upon this and, and um, disagreed with one another, really. I love how um, in this world, fate, can essentially be decided by a Pokemon battle between a Surviper and a, a Zangoose um, or a, a man holding a cheese knife. Yeah. There's just so yeah. much fun you can have with it. Um, but one of the things I love the most is, is how um, Zephyrus, probably, you'd probably say he's the primary protagonist, um, you know, he's got these three different fates he can go down and he's not sure which of the prophets of this prophecy he's going to be. Um, but I'm kind of wondering, is that always going to be ambiguous, um, up for debate or do you kind of have in your mind, like what he is and what he will become? Oh, I absolutely know what he is and what he will become, but I want, that is something I hate to break it to your readers. You're going to have to wait until the very, very end until that, that becomes abundantly clear. Uh, that was, um, something that, uh, my editor and I discussed at length. It was one thing that I really wanted to be a uh, an epic through line and a point of 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 debate, like through for readers to be like, well, it could be this character, or it could be that character, and this role, and uh, this person does this, and that's kind of like what happens in the in the prophecy. And I, I wanted that to be a a a point of contention and disagreement. Um, and there's a couple red herrings I, I like to throw. And uh, yeah, I think, I think the concept of, of prophecy and what it means and what, what it changes based on what you believe. You know, if you believe in prophecies, like some of these characters very much like take it as law and others, like they totally dismiss it. So it can either be the most important thing in the world or nothing. So um, I want, I wanted that to in the end be a choice. Uh, so 
it's it's something that will certainly be explored not only it's obviously not only explored in book one but also in book two book three and it even bleeds into some of the other projects i have planned i love that i i cannot wait to see where that goes just make sure you finish it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure a lot of our readers and listeners were just like oh my god i have to wait for the next one to they probably tuned in just for some spoilers but you obviously have huge plans for your series and is this a world that you would like to continue exploring beyond the core story of a vengeful realm? What is coming next and what can we expect to see in future books? Ooh, uh, as, as, and, uh, I'm a heavy plotter. I love plotting now. I love like boiling down everything I'm going to do. So I have, so many ideas within this world um and if you can imagine when cutting down from you know 978 pages um there's there's a lot of things that were lost that i really loved so um i've actually just finished a uh, a prequel to um a vengeful realm uh which i hope will be out and about and we can have another conversation like this soon about Uh, about that story but um that was that story was something that was entirely cut from this book um and became a book in its own right and 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 even that took on a life of its own and um kind of like (laughs) they keep they keep coming back together and they keep reconnecting so uh new rainia the setting of a vengeful realm and rainia the setting of the uh the prequel like they are going to there's other lands beyond that um once the gods get more and more involved it they uh all these different peoples and different books and different series will all have um an interconnectivity to them and through them um i kind of wanted to make my own uh like marvel universe in uh my own fantasy world so it's i definitely have big plans there are many more stories coming uh, with different characters and, you know, different worlds are going to have different magic systems, but they're all going to have the same spirit and uh, the same source and inspiration. So um, which is all about balance. Um, so th- there's a lot of um, a lot of there's so many things to explore and I'm just going to keep exploring until uh, I run out of ideas. But with that being said, um this trilogy will be the beginning to the end and the end will be the end. And then it's just everything else we'll be exploring and reconnecting back in. That's such an awesome idea of this yeah, expanding universe within this one fantasy world. And um, I know obviously Brandon Sanderson is kind of doing that with his cosmic universe, but as fantasy authors, there's no reason we can't linger in a world and explore new stories within that world continuously um, for as long as it, um, keeps you entertained um, but I guess similar to that do you have stories you want to tell outside of this world I do but I keep putting they will go on the back burner until this one is done because I have commit I, I do not suffer from shiny object syndrome this is this is the apple of my eye and uh, I just want to give this world and um, 
this Avengeful Realm series, all of all of my heart, all of my attention. Um, and when that is eventually done and hopefully soon, um, then then, yes, I will absolutely. Uh, I have a list of things I want to explore. I also have a um, like I have an entire spreadsheet of different mediums I'd like to explore as well. Um, I think some some story concept ideas might serve better in a graphic novel or some might make for a better um, like episodic as opposed to like uh, a trilogy series or uh, so. Yeah, I want to I, I don't only want to play with different things outside of this world, but also uh, different means of storytelling, because I think that's really what I'm most passionate about is is story. That's awesome. We can't wait to see what stories you have to share with the world in the future. <laughs> I appreciate I'm sure, it. I'm sure our listeners are also getting on to the ventral realm. And we've had a wonderful time having you on the show today, Tim. And is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today? Your readers, your future readers, the people, get them hooked on your book just a little <laughs> bit more if they're not already there. And if they're not already there, then... I can't tell you yeah. because this is the, this book just gives me so much excitement. This world, new, new Rania and all of that. Just, I can't wait to read more of your stuff. So what else do you have to share with our listeners today? Uh, I, the biggest thing I can say is thank you without, without readers, there's uh, these would just stay in a, I can't even say as a book on my shelf, it would just stay as a file in my, in my laptop and in the iCloud and, and would never go anywhere or do anything. So without readers, um, our industry is nothing. Our, uh, our creation is nothing. And, um, but I think the, the biggest takeaway I'd like is um, my readers to know is whatever you're going through, whoever you're going through it with, you're not alone and there's hope. So even if it seems really dark, like at the end of book one, uh, <laughs> there's there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a, there's a way out, and there's hope at the end of it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, congrats on your debut. We cannot wait to see where your career goes and what books you have for us in the future and and stories. Um, you can find the links to Tim's epic book, Eventual Realm, in the podcast description. So be sure to check it out and support him because he certainly deserves it. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. This has been the Conclave Cast and our special guest, Tim Fasciola. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you all next time.